0: Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk Podcast. My name is Christopher Harris and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnire. We are uh, taking a look at the English Championship, uh, a preview of the 2022-23 season. This is part two of uh, a two-part podcast. Yesterday we went through uh, a good 40 minutes of analysis in regards to this league and here we go with about 40 minutes more uh, diving deep into not just the teams themselves and a preview of the clubs and season, but also some of the, the talking points, some of the players, some of the history, uh, and also towards the end, some of the viewing options and actually recommendations on how best to experience the English Championship, whether you're a, a veteran uh, viewer of that league or, or those clubs or uh, someone new and learning wanting to learn more about how to watch this league. Uh it's a fun one for sure. So here we go uh with Kartik and I talking about the championship. Now Kartik looking at some of these other teams here. What about Sunderland? Sunderland, Sunderland till I die, right? They're back in the championship. Uh what's what's your uh consensus in terms of the level of optimism or anticipation about Sunderland?
1: Yeah, so uh after Alex Neil took over uh, and he's a, he's a manager who's got, who got Norwich obviously out of this division and into the Premier League. Uh, they, they were, I think, pretty good, efficient, pragmatic. I, I, they weren't spectacular in terms of the way they played football, but they were efficient in League Two, got themselves a League One, excuse me, got themselves into the playoffs and and got out of the playoffs. Maybe a little fortunately in that final against uh, uh, against High Wycombe uh, against Wycombe Wanderers, but they uh, were. Uh, uh, They were very very well organized and very very well structured. They've got a small squad um, and that's uh, something that they're going to have to contend with. But I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to be uh, mid-table. I mean, uh, Lyndon Gooch, who is a U.S. international or former U.S. international, right? He's been off the radar uh, for the last few years. Uh, he wears the number 11 shirt, or at least did last season, at Sunderland. He's a very, very good player at this level. Uh, and obviously a player Jurgen Klinsmann liked, right? Capped a couple times. Uh, and, and, uh a guy to watch uh, if you're interested in American players. Another guy I really like at uh, at, at uh, Sunderland is Alex Pritchard, who uh, is a. Uh a kind of silky midfielder uh, who, who plays out wide as well so uh, I think they have enough to stay in the division I, I, I don't think they're going to get relegated which I know is, is controversial there are a lot of people who are saying they have a small squad uh, they haven't really invested in it uh, they've had ownership difficulty as we know the last couple of years which is why they, were, they had this elongated period in the third tier uh, so they're going to go right back down but I, I think they're going to be okay I, I have enough faith in, in the manager more than anything.
0: One of the other things I love about uh, the championship so much, Kartik, is that uh, the talent spotting. Oftentimes, now and again, watching a bunch of uh, games from the championship... Like a player jumps out, you're like, "Wow, oh my, god, oh my god, that player has talent." You can see that player has something special there, and oftentimes they do get uh, signed by a Premier League club, and and you get an opportunity to watch him from the uh, the August until uh, December timeframe and see how he um, advances or kind of grows as a player, and then the jan- January transfer win- window gets signed up by I don't know Crystal Palace or West Ham United or whoever it may be. Um, that, that to me is always intriguing, too, because it's a great opportunity to, to see talent in its rawness before uh, they make it to the even bigger time.
1: And also the loan system, because uh, uh, let me just give one very uh, big example with me, which was Mason Mount a couple of years ago. There are all these U.S. national team fans who seem to think I have this uh, pro Mount bias because I don't like Christian Pulisic and it's some anti-American thing. I, I get that. I get hit with that a lot on Twitter still four years later, which is, is really annoying. The bottom line on Mount is I saw him at Derby when he was on loan at Darby and was like, this guy uh, not only is too good for this level, this guy is actually... Now, this is a historical stereotype. This guy's too good to be English. He looks like he's a German midfielder or a Spanish midfielder. I can't wait to see what he does when he goes back to Chelsea. Oh, yeah, I know Chelsea doesn't like to play young players. They see them as commodities. They generally keep loaning them out or sell them. Well, he broke into the first team for a reason. He's uh, one of the first names on the England team sheet for a reason. Uh, He's the best player on Chelsea for a reason. So I spotted Mount when he was on loan at Derby and was blown away by the guy. And there are several other examples of that. And I would say last season, one of the talent-spotting examples, Chris, was Brennan Johnson. I think by the time January rolled around, we had all pegged Brennan Johnson, who is a Welsh international who plays for Nottingham Forest, uh, who emerged once Steve Cooper came in. Um, as you said, they were at the foot of the table at the time, it emerged as this just superstar player that, that many of us were thinking, OK, if a Premier League player really wants an instant impact guy who maybe can come off the bench and give them 10 or 15 minutes, uh, maybe they buy Brendan Johnson in January. And then, as it turns out, Force gets promoted. So they don't have to sell him in the summer, and, and he's still there. But that's, there's always one or two guys every season, whether it's guys on loan. You mentioned Conor Gallagher a couple years ago. That's another really good shout uh, when he was at Swansea. Uh, or guys that are uh, coming through championship clubs like Brennan Johnson last season at Forest.
0: Yeah, the, 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 the one that jumps out at me that I, I noticed pretty pretty early was uh, David Brooks uh, at Bournemouth and just seeing the incredible skill that he had. And Unfortunately, he got diagnosed with... Uh, stage two Hodgkin uh, lymphone, lymphona um, and has been treated for that illness. But um, a player that really, really just, like, every time I saw him play, I, I would tune in just to watch him play, no matter who Bournemouth was playing. That, that's the thing that's a little bit different that, that, about this championship season, Karthik, is normally during a championship season, you have some major clubs in there, some big clubs. You you have maybe Newcastle United or Aston Villa or uh, Leeds United or some major clubs with who are playing um in massive stadiums but this season Sunderland you could say right Sunderland's uh definitely kind of uh... oh
1: yeah yeah they have uh I mean their stadium was uh, was massive is massive even in the championship let alone in league one uh but with that exception yeah I mean basically uh, you still have uh, uh, she- uh Sheffield United uh, uh in, in, the, in the division, we're a right. fairly large stadium hosting a uh, a Euro semifinal. It depends when people listen to this, whether that semifinal would have happened yet. Women's Euro semifinal at Bramble Lane. But yeah, you're right, Chris. This is the first season in a while that we haven't had one of those clubs in the championship, right? A Villa, a Leeds, a Newcastle, that, that sort of massive, massive club uh, that draws uh, attention. And we were very close to having Leeds back in um, the championship. We very well could have them back in the championship real soon, but uh, yeah, this is the first time where you've got kind of like maybe a proper championship season, if you will, in a way.
0: Yeah, I think it's more it's more balanced in many ways, which makes it more exciting. I mean, it's not like you have uh, I don't know Wolverhampton Wanderers playing in front of a, I mean, a stadium of fifty thousand uh, capacity with you I mean I don't know thirty thousand fans, but but and, and that's the other th- part of it too, Kartik. Watching the championship. Uh, definitely. Uh, in some of these games, the the atmosphere is incredible. I mean, in terms of, you, you hear different types of songs and chanting that you don't hear in the Premier League. For the most part, in the Premier League, and I I love the Premier League, but a lot of the songs you hear singing and the chants you hear singing are the same songs at the same at, at the different clubs in the Championship, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs>
0: At, at the championship, it's definitely a lot more variety in terms of uh, the, the, the type of songs. Whether it's Swansea C- C- City's fans singing hymn of Arias or Sheffield uh, United singing uh, what's the song about? Um, uh, chip chips? Oh gosh, I, I don't know if you know this one, but uh, uh, Chip and Buddies or Chip Buddies. <laughs> there, there's some really funny songs. Uh, let me. Let me there, put there's going to
1: be uh, some variety in the Premier League this year with Forrest coming up. They. they sing uh, uh, a number of different songs. And uh, actually, even their their kind of uh, uh, pop or rock hymn that you would uh, associate with the club is Mall of Kintyre, uh, which is uh, certainly very different than hearing Hey Jude, although it's the same. It's both Paul McCartney, right? One with the Beatles, one with Wings, but uh, very different than hearing Hey Jude blaring out in, uh, I think, half the Premier League stadiums. So that's going to be kind of cool. But we'll we'll save that for the Premier League uh, conversations we have in future podcasts.
0: Alright, 10 teams to go, Kartik. Uh, let's go through these. Uh, Reading is an interesting one, I think, because Reading is still under a uh, an embargo, a transfer embargo. So it's a slightly soft embargo in that uh, they're restricted to uh, signing loan players and free transfers. Um, Reading's gone through a lot of financial issues in terms of overspending, massive debt, uh, it, it's one of my picks to get relegated. Uh, do you think they they'll probably go down, Karthik? Or, or is there a way for them to to rise above that uh, that transfer? Uh, I mean, the, the relegation zone.
1: Yeah, I think they probably will go get go down. Uh, Paul Ince uh, did a really credible job last season after coming in, uh, saved them really, uh, and they had a points deduction they had to overcome as well. Uh, and he's used his network of uh, of uh, pedigree in the game uh, to get some guys that uh, I don't know if they're going to be up for a championship uh, relegation fight, but certainly their names, right? So he brings his son uh, to the club, uh, a guy that, that has played a lot in the championship and in, in various places And Tom Inns. Jeff Hendrick is coming in on loan. Uh, obviously top uh, top player in the Premier League for, for a number of years with Burnley and, New, and Newcastle. Shane Long will be coming in as well, uh, uh, who uh, is, was a is a fantastic striker in his day uh, but he was really dependent on pace right along he was uh one of the fastest guys, paciest players, uh, I think, in the Premier League in, in, in his time, um, mm-hmm. most recently with, with Southampton. So I, I think he's lost that step, so I don't know how good he's going to be. Sam Hutchison, another guy they're bringing in. So he's using uh, his, his knowledge of other clubs and, and the game to get some veterans in. And we saw last season with Darby, even though they went down, because of that points deduction, their most consistently good players were Tom Lawrence and Curtis Davies, two hardened veterans who Wayne Rooney were able to get incredible performances out, maybe last ditch performances in their career to try and save uh, Darby County. So I, I think Paul is taking very much the same playbook as Rooney did, thinking, OK, I got the same spending restrictions he had. Let me go get some veterans. Maybe I won't have the 21 point deduction that he had and I can keep this team up. So I think they'll probably go down, but I think they have a fighting chance.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, too, Karthik, because uh, last season Reading signed uh, Andy Carroll, who actually did pretty well for them. Uh, He he has since uh, moved on. He's no longer at the club at Reading, but uh, actually did get uh, some much needed points towards the end of the last season when they needed the points to really kind of uh, stay safe there. But yeah, I I think I I just don't think they've got enough to, to stay up this season. Another team that I think will go down, unfortunately, is Rotherham. Uh, newly promoted from League One, Uh, the Yorkshire side. I just don't see having enough uh, talent or finances available to really stay up this season. Do you agree, Kartik?
1: Yeah, I agree, and and that's uh, their business model, right? They're uh, they're a yo-yo club, and they'll probably be back up uh, in, a, uh, in, 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 a, in a few years or in a year. Uh, one player that, uh, that I watch at, uh, at Rotherham is Shane Ferguson, who started his career as a promising striker. Remember, in the Newcastle system, ha- has uh, become a pretty solid defender in uh, lower division football. So sometimes players evolve and they find their niche and they find their position, and he's an example of that.
0: One of the big clubs we haven't really mentioned much about so far um, is Sheffield United. Uh, you mean they have a different manager? Chris Wilder obviously is not there any longer. They were recently in the Premier League a couple of years ago. Um, what's your level of optimism about Sheffield United, Kartik?
1: Well, uh, first off, uh, Paul Heckenbottom, who had never gotten a chance really to manage uh, without a lot of pressure, a first team, uh, he did manage Leeds, uh, as many remember, but did, you know, was under intense pressure. Good English manager who's worked with youth players through much of his career, has waited his turn. I think he's done a really good job taking over a squad that was broken once they were relegated from the Premier League and Chris Wilder had left. And there were all kinds of intrigues within the football club. So I like this team. I think they have a really good chance of uh, getting promoted. Uh, in fact, they're, they're one of my picks to get promoted this year. And uh, they were very close last season. Uh, They're going to bring Tommy Doyle uh, back in on loan from from Manchester City, a a, uh, really promising young player. Uh, And they have in uh, Oliver Norwood, John Fleck, and uh, Stevens, a bunch of guys. I know I'm forgetting a few guys uh, uh, that have played in the Premier League and have played at a high level. And uh got to ask you since we're on sheffield united Wales goalkeeper situation for um the world cup chris are you are you with Adam Davies or are you now back with Wayne Hennessy
0: I think it has to be wayne Hennessy i mean it, it's going to decide depend on between now and, and November of course in terms of form, but wayne Hennessy i think uh with the experience that he has i think uh and some of his leadership uh, abilities, I, I think, to me, he, he's my pick. But, um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of players like that, too, that uh, will be playing in the World Cup, right? This is a championship, but there's a bunch of players in the championship that will be playing that, at that level, which is which is amazing to see. What, what's, uh, what's your take on uh, Preston North End?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to have a pretty decent season. I think they're an outside shot to get into the playoffs. Uh, Ryan Lowe is their manager. They were really up and down last season. But they have some, uh, some good pieces uh, in their team. Uh, Alan Brown is a player I, I like a lot and, and is a, a full, full Ireland international. Of course, they didn't make the World Cup. Uh, Greg Cunningham is their left back, another Irish international who's, uh, I think, uh, solid. Uh, Matthew Alasunday is the American on that team. He uh, has gotten a few caps, if I'm not mistaken, right, with the the full national team. I think at some point he was capped. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he's a guy to watch who plays uh, uh, more or less as a right back but can play as a left back also. Um, And uh, he's a guy that uh, also uh, came through... uh, uh, the, uh, the Red Bull system before he went to Manchester United youth team and I am trying to remember I, I believe he was capped at the full national team level, level or at least was called in for a camp
0: so one of the clubs in the championship that has probably the best shirt sponsor is uh, Husky chocolate, which is uh, the sponsor of Millwall. <laughs> I, every time I see Millwall's kits and I see the Husky chocolate, I'm like, that, that is cool. That's cool. Uh, it makes me want to try a Husky chocolate. I never tried it. It's probably really good, but we'll, we'll see one of these days I'll, I'll try it when I get to England. But Millwall is a traditional uh, English club, right? I mean, kind of uh, old school football club, but uh, these days still doing well in the championship. What, What's your take on Millwall, Kartik?
1: Yeah, Gary Rowett is is a, is a, uh, a manager who, who I like, who has a lot of experience at this level. Big signing for them is getting Jamie Shackleton. Uh, On loan from Leeds. Now, maybe Shackleton's a player I've overrated for years. Tidy, small midfielder who can play a lot of square passes, a lot like uh, uh, Harry Winks at at Spurs or Tom Carroll before him, who who you saw at Swansea for a while. Uh, Maybe also kind of limited the same way. Uh, Hasn't become the big star I thought he would. He was a guy I actually wanted Manchester City to pursue a few years ago, thinking this is a guy that would fit into a, a pep team. Uh, So I like him going there. I think they have an outside shot at making the playoffs. They have a very tight squad. Um, George Honeyman, another really good player, former Sunderland. Um, But I think maybe they're not deep enough to absorb this 46-match season. And and I think one of the things, I'm not sure if you pointed out earlier in the show, Chris, the championship is loaded, uh, for listeners who don't know this, with Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday weeks. Right, where teams are playing on Saturday, they're playing again on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then they're playing on Saturday. You have to be, and Bournemouth shows you this. You, you, you see the kind of squad Bournemouth is coming up into the Premier League with. They're probably as deep as any squad in the Premier League, believe it or not. Doesn't mean they're as good as anyone in the Premier League. Certainly they're not. But um, you need that level of depth sometimes to get out of this division, and Millwall doesn't have
0: We mentioned before um, the uh, the teams, uh, Norwich and Watford, and we mentioned Burnley in, in regards to, to Vincent Company. Um, but what we haven't really talked about a lot is Burnley uh, FC themselves. Now, Karthik with Watford and uh, Burnley and Norwich City, I mean, massive parachute payments that they get from the Premier League uh, as they drop down from the Premier League to the championship. Uh, what's your take on Burnley in terms of, I mean, there's parachute payments available. So they're going to have a lot more money to spend than other clubs in the championship. What's your take on Burnley? Do you think they'll spend this money and, and, and get some key players in Cause, because they've lost a few, right?
1: Yeah. And at this point, it doesn't look like they're going to spend anything and, and that they've lost, they're going to lose a few more. So um, hopefully they hold on to Brownhill. I think he is the, the key. Uh, Ashley Barnes is at the age now where he won't move, but, um, could have a few years ago if they've been relegated. I think Dwight McNeil and Corne probably both move on um, and go back to the Premier League or, or to a first. Maybe Corne goes to a first division somewhere else. I, I can certainly see Dwight McNeil going uh, to would be a great signing for actually Fulham or Bournemouth. Um more forest. Uh, uh, Charlie Taylor is a guy I think they might lose also. So um, on paper, right now, if you look at the Burnley squad, you say, yeah, yeah, they they should come back up. Uh, uh, Connor Roberts is a guy that 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 will be there. Uh, I think he'll he'll stay. Uh, Loughton maybe stays. Uh, Ashley Westwood maybe stays. But all these guys could move. Uh, the only players of significance they brought in have been players connected to Manchester City. Murick, uh, Egan Riley and Harwood Bellis, because of Vincent Company. My understanding is there might be one or two more. Uh, Company uh, has a great relationship with Pep and the brass at Manchester City for obvious reasons. Right, uh, was the captain of that squad for for a decade. Uh, but in terms of them actually giving company checkbook to go out and buy guys that are accomplished championship players that can help get them out of this division. I don't think that's happening. And I think you're going to see the likes of Charlie Taylor and and, and Dwight McNeil and and Cornet and maybe Westwood also move on. And that would be devastating.
0: Yeah, and they've already lost uh, this summer uh, J- James Tarkovsky and Ben yeah. Mee, who have moved on uh, from Burnley. One of the things, get as a fan of a club in well, the champ- Which is
1: good, honestly, because I didn't want to see either of those two guys in the championship. No offense, but I'm right. glad they're both still in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, definitely higher quality there. So one of the things I love to do as a fan of a club in the championship is oftentimes during the season look at the league table and go, okay, hey, we're like, if we get... Another win that's going to jump us up into the playoff spots. If we get an, and then we get a win midweek and hope that the other teams lose, we could be in you know like, like fourth place, maybe third place. It's amazing w- watching the championship, whether you're a fan of a club or not, how that league changes in terms of uh, teams moving up and down the table. Uh, it seems that some clubs, Carpentry is one example. Going up, kind of uh, you're looking at them going up the table and then all of a sudden dropping back down again within the same table, uh, whatever club it may be. But it is a, a, a league that's so tight in terms of number of points that you could have a good run of form towards the end of the season and get you into the playoff spots. And then once you're in the playoffs, you mean, then hope springs internal thinking that you mean, maybe you'll win the, the playoff uh, finals and go all the way to the final and get promoted to the Premier League. But what about Coventry City, Kartik? Yeah. Uh That's a club that's kind of uh, fluctuated up and down the table a lot.
1: Yeah, and they, they I think, are ready to make their move. Uh, they're deep enough. They're now experienced enough. Mark Robbins has a system in place there. Uh, they actually have, uh, they're actually back in their, their ground, right? They're actually uh, uh, playing uh, in Coventry, right? This was a great intrigue, right? They built when they were still in the Premier League or towards the end of their Premier League time. And by the way, for those who don't know, uh, Coventry City had, when they were relegated to the to the championship in 2002 or 2003, sometime around then, they had the longest run in the Premier League outside, uh, at the time, outside of Arsenal and Everton and yeah. Liverpool. Uh, so uh, outside of those three clubs. So they were a fixture in the first division, have not been back yet. And things kind of spiral out of control. They built the stadium. Then they lost control of the stadium. Then they even weren't able to pay the lease at the stadium. They ended up playing in Northampton, which is uh, f- might as well be uh, uh, in, in another country, right? It it's, it's <laughs> feels it's like it's that far away. I think it's only about 50 miles, but still, it feels like that. Then they had to ground share with Birmingham City. Now they're back in their arena, and Mark Robbins has gotten them to a point where they're now deep enough and experienced enough with this team and there's been a lot of continuity in the squad, a lot of the same parts now for a couple of years, that, uh, including uh, getting promoted from League One, that I think they are ready to make their move. Will they make it to the top six? I'm not sure, but if they don't, I think they're going to be right on the outside. So they're that club. You just described it, Chris. They're the club that might be in 12th and then they get two results during a week and they're in fourth. I think they're going to be hovering around the playoff places all season.
0: It's hard for me to be uh, unbiased about Cardiff City, uh, my uh, hated rival as a, as a Swansea City fan. Uh, and just a reminder for listeners, too, last season was the first time in the history of Swansea against Cardiff in the league that uh, Swansea, or either Swansea or Cardiff had completed a double, and it was Swansea getting uh, both the home and away victories against Cardiff. But it's hard for me to be unbiased about Cardiff just because I, <laughs> I despise them so much. Um, I, I, th- I think they're definitely lacking in youth talent, in the youth system, in the youth academy. Um, and that's hurt them long term. But Kartik, you probably know more about Cardiff City than I do. I, I, try, I tend to stay away from uh, reading about them. Uh, I'm not interested in them, but uh, I just like to beat them. But what about you? What, what do you know about Cardiff City this season?
1: Yeah, Steve Morrison has his, his, uh, um, his, his uh, work cut out for him. Obviously, player that, that we best associate, I think, probably with Norwich and Millwall uh this is his first uh stint as a manager and uh uh they've got in joe rawls a player that i've liked for years that i wish maybe we we had seen on a higher level uh romaine sayers they've signed a player that helped uh brentford build and and obviously playing the premier league with west Brom. uh but they have a lot of holes i think uh a lot of guys that have have gone through maybe their cycle with the club or their cycle in the championship. So, with that in mind, they've gone out and gotten a bunch of guys this summer. Uh, Sayers is one of them. Uh, There are several others. I think they'll probably be safe, but it wouldn't shock me if they were sucked into a relegation battle.
0: And then Wigan Athletic is an interesting one, Kartik, because I think last season they were in a lot of financial issues, um, but they did get promoted from League One to the championship. Uh, what's your take on Wigan for this season? Is this a, uh, a relegation candidate or, or perhaps maybe there's a, a new le- lease of life?
1: Yeah, they're definitely a relegation candidate. They, uh, they, of course, two seasons ago were relegated from the championship, even though they had, they, at the, lo- the last day of the season, ended the last day of the season, like 13th in the table. But they got a points deduction uh, that they knew they were getting, by the way, and they went down. Um, I guess that was now probably three seasons ago, right? That was the COVID year. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they were, uh, um, unfortunate, unfortunate for the players that way. They've come back up with a much more, um, efficient squad, a smaller squad, but a squad that has, uh, in guys like Joe Bennett and James McClain player, I think everybody's familiar with Ben Amos, uh. And uh, a few other guys, Will Keane is is there uh, now, I think still, and Tom Naylor is also still there. They have a couple of guys that uh, really have been through these battles before. So I think they have a a fighting chance of staying up, but they don't have much money anymore. They don't have a deep squad. They're going to have to rely on the resourcefulness of those uh, experienced players
0: and uh bristol city has a, a familiar manager nigel pearson former manager of uh, leicester city uh he was there last season too at bristol I, re- I remember but um bristol seems to be one of those teams that that um it, i think it, there is expectations but oftentimes it underwhelms and kind of uh, goes under the uh, radar a little bit but what about this season carter could this be any different
1: yeah and I think there was one season that they had a cup run uh that really cost them a chance of getting into the playoffs I'm trying to remember what season that was it was a few years ago but um yeah they've had a they've had a squad that um of uh, uh, Needed some refreshment and now has gotten it. Nigel Pearson has, has brought in two guys uh, in the last year that uh, he's familiar with from uh, Leicester, two of the guys he built with at Leicester, uh, Andy King and Maddie James. So, uh, and, and guys who helped get Leicester out of this division. Uh, uh, and, and into the Premier League. And of course, both were on the title winning team uh, at Leicester, a uh, Premier League winning team. And, and I think probably uh, uh, one or two uh, one of them was still around when they won the FA Cup. So um, the, I, I think they're a mid table team or they're a low mid table team. They're not going to get relegated, they're not going to get promoted. And that's kind of what they are.
0: Last but not least, uh, Blackpool FC and a coach, a new head coach, Michael Appleton. And Michael, I I give a lot of I have a lot of um, positive thoughts in terms of like as a manager, a lot lot of respect as a manager. Uh, Do you agree, Kartik, Or do you think this is going to be a, a difficult challenge here?
1: Well, he, of course, he of course managed a very different Blackpool back in the day, right? When he managed Blackpool uh, the first time, uh, he uh, took over a team that had been in the Premier League recently, had just missed uh, out on promotion, and I thought did okay with them as uh, the finances were really sinking under the Oyston family. Uh, he, he has had some stints uh, elsewhere since, right? I mean, he, he, he uh, didn't do such a good job at, at, at Blackburn, uh, but I thought he did a really, really good job at Lincoln City, yeah. uh, his most recent job, which got him back on the radar after uh, maybe the failure at Blackburn. I mean, he was somewhere else also in between and didn't do so well. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I like him as a manager. I think he's a guy who's gotten better as a manager through the years. Blackpool has a stingy squad that can beat some people uh, on a given day. They're not going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to have enough to stay in the division, and it's, it's, it's great that they're back in the division. They had so many – talk about a club with financial problems and financial – I wouldn't say financial mismanagement. It was a stingy ownership that didn't want to invest in the club. Uh, Blackpool fan, uh, supporters have been through it. They've been through the ringer uh, with that uh, with, with, with that ownership. So it's a new day for them. Uh, under new owners the last couple of years and uh, they have a fairly deep squad and last season they seem to get results against top teams so um, they were very very good against uh, QPR Blackburn who were in the top six most of the season and then against the Middlesbrough's and the Forests and the, and, and the uh, Lutons etc the team's pushing for promotion so I, I think that they'll be decent
0: all right. Before we go to my last and final question, which is a which is a good one, I think, and I think listeners will appreciate this one. Before we go to that Karthik, any any other final thoughts about the championship uh, for listeners, or uh, any any information that you want to share that we haven't covered because uh, we've covered all twenty four teams.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the most interesting aspect of of some of the conversations I've had on Talksport in the last six months, especially, has been this. Feeling that clubs that have recently been in the Premier League now have such a huge financial advantage over clubs that haven't been due to the parachute payment structure and due to the Premier League's lack of generosity in terms of giving money down, down the pyramid in England that uh, you almost have two divisions opening up. Um, and when you think about this season, I think every club that, that we're talking about potentially being promoted with the exception of maybe outsiders like Coventry and, and Millwall, who we think may and Preston may be able to, to crash that top six. Every other club we're talking about has been in the Premier League in the last few years. So that's um, a real concern for the division's health long term. And that, that's something we're going to continue to have to track.
0: Yeah, last season especially, I I thought that uh, Bournemouth and Fulham in particular, those two teams were basically in in another league, uh, in terms of the amount of resources they had, the player depth, uh, the money they had to spend, and also even in terms of the power that they had, uh, being able to take a a player like Ethan Laird, uh, who was on loan at Swansea, and then uh, Bournemouth talking to Manchester United, convincing uh, Man United to move him on loan to Bournemouth, even though they had such a huge squad, and even though he didn't play that much for for Bournemouth, because he had so much depth.
1: Let, let me point that out, That's sp- that specific situation, Chris, and, and the January window for Bournemouth. I don't like the way Bournemouth did business in January. I felt like they were, they, they were pushing their weight around the same way big clubs push their weight around in, in uh, top divisions around Europe. And we hadn't really seen that in the championship. And we hadn't seen a team uh, that had 30 players, 30 first-team players, Like like I said. Uh, I don't know how Bournemouth's going to name 25 guys to their Premier League squad unless they sell some guys in the next couple of weeks. So that's a disturbing development in the championship. It's the first time we really saw it. The Laird situation in particular uh, typified it. So uh, I hope we don't see more of it, but unfortunately, I think we will.
0: So this season, though, Conti, it might be a little bit different. So you talk about the, the the big teams coming down with those parachute payments. You already mentioned Burnley and, and thought that uh, maybe they're not going to use much of that parachute payment to, to buy players. Uh, they've got... Massive uh, financial issues there at that club. And then you've got Watford and Norwich. Norwich has not been spending a lot of money. Um, they do have a lot of good players in their in their academy and within the squad. Watford with a younger play, a manager, a new manager may not go on the transfer binge, buying a whole bunch of uh, top-level players, may try to kind of cultivate and, and kind of take the players that they have with some additional key signings and, and build from there. So maybe this season, Kartic, maybe we won't, we won't have those giant uh, clubs from the Premier League coming down and monopolising the, the, the actual championship. Or maybe not. What do you think?
1: Well, I, I think... Uh... And, and I, I've just refreshed my own memory. Middlesbrough, has, it's been a few years since they've been out of the Premier League. But uh, otherwise, it's clubs that have either uh, been in the Premier League recently, uh, like Sheffield United and West Brom, and the, or the teams coming straight down. I'm I not necessarily saying it's the teams that have just come down, but it's teams that still are getting parachute payments uh, for a couple of seasons. Sheffield United would fit that category this season, as would West Brom.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And also those clubs have uh, some big supporter bases, too. So Sheffield United is going to pack far more fans in that stadium than, say, I don't know, a Wigan or a a team with a a smaller stadium. Um, So my last question, Kartik, is one that uh, I'm going to throw at you. What about uh, viewing tips? So it's a long season. We've already talked about ESPN Plus, uh, and I follow. But with ESPN Plus, you can get to see most of the games. You'll see about three to four games a weekend. Hopefully, if this deal is signed, which is ridiculous, that it's, it's down to the last minute. But hopefully, this deal is signed. Three to four games uh, a weekend, sometimes more, sometimes less but what 's your view and tips? Because a lot of these games are happening at the same time as uh, as the Premier League and, and the Bundesliga and other leagues from from around Europe. What's your view and tips on how to get the best out of watching uh, the championship for for listeners? My
1: my view and tip doesn't necessarily involve watching live matches because it's impossible and most of the kickoffs are simultaneous and uh, you would have to buy iFollow accounts for every club. It's impossible. But I, I found on YouTube in particular, club fan channels exist and the, between that and the EFL uh, channel itself and Sky Sports channel, you get enough news, highlights, conversation about these clubs uh, to uh, to really kind of keep up with the league. It's not as difficult as it may appear. And, again, you get three, four matches on, on uh, ESPN Plus each match day. And I'll concede. I'm a person who I think we've talked about this on, on this podcast previously, Chris. I generally don't watch the Champions League group stages, the UEFA Champions League group stages. I'm just not a fan. So that's a personal preference. It doesn't mean I hate CBS or hate uh, UEFA or, or any of that. It's just a personal preference. So... I am able to keep up with the championship maybe more easily than other people because I generally then focus on the championship midweek. Uh, when uh, every time there's a Champions League match day, there's also a championship match day. That's a lot of time, a lot of when they get their midweek fixtures in because there'll be no domestic cups where they're having to face Premier League sides. So um, that's the other tip, maybe. If you're not hot on the Champions League, uh, there's no issue with Europa League because that's Thursday. These matches will be uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, if you're not hot on the UEFA Champions League, uh, watch the championship instead.
0: That's a good point, Karthik. because after times last season and the season before, I'd be watching Swansea City on, on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, 2.45 Eastern kickoff. And then uh, at the same time that uh, Liverpool would be playing, I don't know, Real Madrid or whoever it would be. So I'd often have like two or three screens open just to be able to watch, keep an eye on the Champions League game, but also watching the, the Swansea uh, championship match. Uh, and sometimes there'd be a third a third screen for, for another Champions League game happening at the same time. So it, 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 it is a challenge. My, my viewing tip would be to... Um, Because the English Championship is not uh, the most um, publicized league in terms of coverage, I think it's easier to avoid any spoilers. So with the ESPN Plus especially, uh, they do a really good job of making the the games available on demand. So pretty soon thereafter the game ends, you'll be able to watch it uh, from the beginning. And it's unlikely that you're going to know what the score is ahead of time unless you go actively searching for it. Uh, or if you 're following a whole bunch of uh, uh, your, your club 's channels or your club 's um, journalists etc so it 's easier to avoid, so it 's easier to go ahead like for me for example for for a weekend, I might go away for a weekend with my family and then i 'll come back later that night, and then I have no idea what the what the result of of the swansea game is but i 'll sit down watch it from the very beginning as if it 's live. And will enjoy it and and, and not have to fear uh, being spoiled, so that 's my view and tip too, especially with so many leagues so many games, so many choices available is that uh, you can go ahead and watch it on demand um, and, and enjoy it the, the other thing about the championship, one more thing before we go kartik is that it is a, it is a league that sometimes is some of the games are very tight, some of the games like, like don't don't be surprised if you get like a a really tight like nil nil or one nil one nil especially you'll see a lot of tight one nil games where um the team with the leads winning one nil is just very it's basically shut down right very pragmatic holding on to that league and they're just inching closer and closer to that 90th minute mark trying to get that those three points because they're looking ahead trying to maximize um are trying to minimize um, kind of the expenditure of of uh, athleticism. So they don't, they don't want to overspend over in terms of how much, um, because they're playing three three times a week sometimes. They don't want to go hell for leather for 90 minutes and win like 4-0 when they could hold on for a 1-0 and then inch closer to that midweek game. Uh, it might be an away game, might be the other end of the country and then save themselves for that game so that they, they can go into that game fresher. So that, I mean, but there are some wild games. Cartic. you get some four threes, three threes. Um, I remember a, a Luton Swansea game last season that was I think I think Luton was winning. Was it four nil and Swansea came back to tie it four four or win it five yep. four? There's some really crazy, crazy games back and forth. But for the for the most part, it is interesting because there is to me it's some some of these games are really really tight, really really kind of a, like a slow burn, really fun to watch. All right, listeners, so thank you so much for listening to this uh, championship preview of the 2022-23 season. We have the schedule at uh, worldsoccertalk.com, which is updated uh, daily as soon as we get the information, oftentimes uh, before ESPN uh, announces the schedule themselves, before they make it publicly available. Um, And also, of course, uh, we've got the the website uh, with tons of other information, articles, etc. We also have our predictions of uh, who will get promoted from the championship for the 2022-23 season, it's always difficult with the championship because it is so wide open. Uh, and even Kartik and I, who have published our list, our uh, predictions, even twenty four hours later, actually twelve hours later, we're, we're kind of second guessing ourselves, uh, thinking like, oh, maybe maybe we should not have put that team here or yeah, that team there. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and with and the li-
1: transfer ro- uh, window open until uh, really almost mid September, uh, yeah, it gets even more complicated this year.
0: That's the big cav- caveat, right? Because there's going to be a lot of transfer activity this summer um, and we're expecting a lot of loan moves, a lot of players. I mean, there's some big players at big clubs that need to be loaned out um, and oftentimes they find themselves in the championship. Uh, and, and, that, and that's another thing too. So whether it's um, seeing Nico Williams play at, at Fulham Uh, Or some of these top level Premier League players who are a little bit younger, who may not have the opportunity to play week in, week out in the Premier League, get loaned down to a club in the championship. And there you get to see uh, uh, him play week in, week out uh, and really see what what that player is made of. And and numerous examples on on that one, too, where you get to see some great talent. So listeners, thank you for listening. We really, really, really appreciate um, your time uh, listening to this uh, championship uh, schedule. We will be back next week with a preview of the English Premier League. And we'll go through all 20 teams, give some insights. And uh, we hope also, to, in the near future, to go ahead and do some previews also for some of the other leagues, too, including the Bundesliga and others. So uh, if you like this show, share it with your friends and uh, give us a, a review on, on iTunes, or Apple Music or Google Play. And Karthik, uh thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, what should they do?
1: Enjoy your football.